सहनाभवतु सहनो पुनक्तु सहवीर्यम करवाभै तेजस्विनावती तमस्तमाविद विशावहै ओम शांति 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 Welcome everyone. Okay, um, this chapter, we're finishing this chapter today, chapter 16, Use and Abuse of Religion. And last two classes, we covered what was positive religion and what was negative religion. Tatvam Asi means that thou art. We are God. God principle, Brahman, Atman, whatever name you want to give it. So the practice of religion, and we said religion means to join back, helps you to join back and become one with our true being. We have forgotten who we really are. And we now identify with our body, mind and intellect rather than the spirit, the self within us. So religion takes you back there. How does it do it? What does religion do to help us get back? Anyone? What is the barrier? What's the barrier? Yeah, Vanita? Remind you of the higher. So you Remind us of the higher, yeah. What else? What's the impediment? Um, helps us reduce our desires helps us reduce our desires so practicing religion helps us reduce our de desires which is the barrier between us and the spirit our true personality so once the bulk of our desires are removed practice of meditation we become we experience that realization referred to as self-realization, that oneness. So positive religion is any practice that helps us to reduce our de desires. And in the Gita, they gave us three disciplines, bhakti, path of devotion, jnana yoga, path of knowledge, karma yoga, path of action. So these practicing these three disciplines helps us reduce our desires. Is that okay? Yeah, great. Negative religion, we covered last week. Anjana, you're following, it's okay? Positive religion, negative religion, we covered last week. Any practice that does not help us reduce our desires or any practice that takes us away from the self, the spirit, can be classed as negative religion. And we said most practitioners who are religious or spiritual practice negative religion. One category goes to church, temple, mosque, and normally they pray for something. Usually it is of a worldly material benefit. Pray for health, wealth, peace, happiness. Another group of people pray for emotional needs. They're going through a bad time. They pray for comfort. Peace. Anything that helps them recover emotionally. Someone passed away, they may pray for that soul. And the third type is an intellectual. He has intellectual curiosity. He reads spiritual literature for his to, to fulfill his intellectual curiosity. What is God? Who is God? So it's either material, emotional, or intellectual. That's what most practitioners do these days, and they think is religious. And we're saying that that's negative religion. It has nothing to do with spiritual development. Secondly, we covered practice of yoga and meditation. People practice these thinking it's being religious, being spiritual. 
and they've been they've taken over spiritual practices. We said they have a place in spiritual development, but the practice of these alone does not develop you spiritually. Yoga keeps the body fit. Yoga cannot control the mind because it's grosser. The mind is more subtle. Meditation. You can only meditate once you have reduced your desires. Otherwise, your mind will be constantly agitated if you try to meditate with desires. Mind is too powerful. It's like you're trying to carry fifty kilogram bag of salt. Bella. It's not easy, but you take half of the weight out, you can carry more easily. If you reduce the salt back to 10 kilos, now it's even easier to carry it. Similarly, if you reduce your desires, it is easier for you to concentrate your mind, one thought, and meditate. Those were the last two classes. Is there any questions? Anjana? Make sense? You understood? I just covered it briefly to a two-hour class in five minutes. <laughs> Great. So these spiritual lectures, this knowledge, you come to these classes, they give you a quick glimpse of the self within you. It doesn't stay with you. After this class is over, you get involved in the world, you forget about the spirit, the self. It fades away very quickly. So Swamiji gives an example. Imagine you're looking into a pond and it's covered with green moss. You can't see your reflection. Everyone following me? You can't see your reflection. You put your hand in, you, you move the moss. You move the moss apart. You see your reflection in the pond. But as soon as you let go, the moss goes back and covers it again. Your reflection is gone. Is everyone with me? So when you come to these classes or you go to satsang or any lectures or whatever, it gives you that feeling where you have become one with the self, you identify with the self, or you get some glimpse, some idea of what the self is, which makes you feel really good. But as soon as you finish, it fades away. That feeling fades away, that glimpse fades away, just like the moss gets back together. So when you regularly reflect, you study every morning. What you're actually doing is you're taking a handful of moss out of the pond. Every time you're reflecting, studying, you're removing a little bit of moss out of the pond. Little bit, little bit. Soon, once you put the right effort in, the moss becomes really thin. And then it separates on its own. You see, permanently see your reflection in the pond. You permanently feel the self with you. That divinity is with you constantly. So this is how this knowledge functions. The more effort you put in, the more you see your, the self within you in everything. A little bit of effort regularly takes a bit of that moss away. And this is how it functions. Does that make sense? Does everyone understand the example? It's quite a subtle example, but if you understand it, it gives you an idea of how this knowledge works. Dharmesh, does it make sense? So the more your effort you put in, the more that feeling of divinity stays with you. Otherwise it just fades away. Any questions? 
Okay. Impediments in the spiritual path. What is impediments in the spiritual path? You're now on the spiritual path. You're learning about God, the spirit, your true personality. You're finding it enjoyable, interesting. Keeps you busy on a Sunday morning. While you're on this path, you've got to be wary of two impediments. And this is what we're going to cover. Yeah? Okay. Who can make now you read the first paragraph, please? The true spiritual path is a scientific, methodic process for human redemption. Human beings are steeped in spiritual ignorance. Everywhere people Everywhere, people grope in darkness to find peace and happiness in the world. What they need is the light of consciousness that shines within every living soul, the knowledge of the divine self. The process of redemption is clear and simple. Analyze the nature of your inner personality. Assess your spiritual need. Treat it with the compatible spiritual courses. Practice them diligently, consistently, until you gain that supreme knowledge. In a nutshell, it's so simple. Being spiritual, following a spiritual path is scientific, methodic. Takes a human being to their true purpose in life, which is enlightenment. That oneness with your true personality but what it's saying is we remain in ignorance we don't understand this most majority of people have forgotten their purpose in life and in our ignorance we look for peace and happiness in the world you won't find it there by the way so he's saying for us to find peace and happiness we have to remove this ignorance and the only thing that will remove that ignorance is knowledge of the self. The limiting factor we call Brahman God. This is who you are. But you have forgotten who you are. And instead, you're playing around in the world. So knowledge of the self gives you not a knowledge of your true personality. This is what it's saying. Saying that the method... The path to enlightenment is quite simple. What do we have to do? You, most of you should know now. What should we do? We covered it in this chapter, actually. What do we have to do? Saying it's straightforward. Clear and simple. What do we have to do? Yeah, Vanita. Be less selfish. Be less selfish. Reduce your desires. Reduce our desires. Yeah. You're absolutely right. More succinctly. Can anyone put it in more succinctly? Analyze our personality, inner personality. Are we devotional? Are we intellectual? Are we both? Prescribe ourselves spiritual courses that are right for our needs, for our personality. Karma yoga, bhakti yoga, jnana yoga. Prescribe those in various proportion to suit our nature. You all with me so far? Yeah? Check your inner personality. What is my nature? Prescribe a proportion of the three yogas. Practice this discipline carefully. It reduces the bulk of our desires. Then, through the practice of meditation, we unfold the self within us. We reach enlightenment. So in a nutshell, that's what it's saying. This is how simple it is. We complicate it. But it's quite straightforward. We practice these disciplines carefully, meditate, reach enlightenment. This is what we need to do as a human being. Is there any clarifications there? 
does everyone understand what what's being said how simple it is it's not simple really because there's a lot of effort to put in but and an understanding of what needs to be done yeah, gives you a bit of clarity this is what we're saying any questions there does everyone understand up to this? Because it's important before we carry on. That it's straightforward as this, as they've said. Yeah? Okay. So this is what we need to do. So there's two impediments that come in our way that stop us from doing this. However, while pursuing the course of spirituality, you must carefully avoid, overcome two main impediments that confront you. The first is at the mundane level, which is common to all, while the second is encountered by those who take up the spiritual practices seriously. The common factor in both impediments is the human weakness of becoming attached to the objects of experience. The mind craves for sensual pleasures emotional feelings and intellectual concepts. It gets you involved in and attached to the mundane affairs. As a result of your attachment to the world, you lose sight of the spiritual goal. This impedes your progress in the spiritual path. So we now understand what we have to do spiritually. It's clear in our heads and we decide to pursue it. You all decide, yes, this makes sense. I want to pursue it. I want to reach my goal. So this paragraph is saying, be careful when you tread on this path. There are obstacles that may take you away from the path. The first one is, as humans, we have a tendency to get attached to experiences in the world. The mind enjoys these experiences. Once more, get stuck there. Difficult to get out of it. What kind of experiences are we talking about? Attached to experiences in the world. Any ideas? What, what attaches you to the world? Right now, I, you say, I'm going to pursue this path of spiritual development and reach my goal in this lifetime. What stops you from doing that? What attaches you to the world? Your family. Family. People. Your desires. Your desire is to get out. You want to get out. Your desire is now to say, I want to follow this pursuit, this spiritual path. What else? Responsibilities. Responsibilities. You're right. Materials. The material, material, sensual pleasures. Worldly stuff. The mind wants sensual pleasures, emotional feelings, intellectual thoughts. This is what binds you to the world. You watch a good movie, going to good restaurants, eating your favorite food, going on holiday, feeling of affection, love. Intellectual pleasure, gaining from reading a good book, even spiritual books. We can stress that further. Attachment, as someone said, to wealth, to people, to name, fame, power. All those things keep you attached to the world and stop you from pursuing your spiritual goal. The world is so attractive. It's like taking a child to Disneyland. Will a child ever want to go home? Leave me here. I'll stay with Mickey Mouse. Child never wants to go home. This is how the world is. It's like a Disneyland for all of us. We don't want to leave it. <laughs> Gives us so much pleasure. So these experiences, world experiences, attaches us to the world. And when it does that, we lose sight of our goal. We forget our purpose. So this is the first obstacle. 
most of us are here at that this moment. Most of pe most people are in this this predicament at the moment. That we're all attached to the world. Does everyone understand what is the first impediment? Any questions? Shilabin, make sense? Attached to the world? You want to follow, you understand what we're saying, you want to do this. But that attachment is so strong, how do you break it? It's so pleasurable. Okay, second obstacle. Yeah, Sil has a question. Yeah, so I just wanted to clarify because- Can everyone hear, by the way? Yeah. At the beginning you said, um, we all want peace and happiness. So is it that these, this attachment that you're saying brings us so much happiness, that that happiness, we get attached to that happiness, which then makes us forget the spiritual path? Yeah, I mean, you can say that it brings you some form of happiness. Yeah. It brings you some form of happiness and it's instant happiness it gives you. So that's what keeps you attracted. And also you may not be um, in the spiritual path, you may not be as strong, you know, you may have not be putting in as much effort whereby you haven't um, experienced the pleasure the spiritual path gives you. See, the mind is difficult to control the mind. Actually, we're gonna cover what, um, we're gonna cover further more in the paragraph. But her question is, is it because we want peace and happiness and we think the world will give it. Yes, we think the world will cater to our needs, our peace and happiness. It actually doesn't. Because we've already said if it did, then we'd all be happy right now. We're already in the 5%, 10% of the world's population. We're the, probably the most um, fortunate in the world. Are we all happy? Compared to the other 90%? We're not. We have everything we're not. We're still looking for something. None of you would be here today listening if you weren't looking for something. So we haven't found it, but we think we have. This is the problem. So the second obstacle, which is even more dangerous, believe it or not. Anyone know what the second obstacle can, is? Um, yeah, Damesh. Spiritual classes. Spiritual classes, absolutely. <laughs> Spiritual <laughs> classes. <laughs> okay. Why is that an impediment? <laughs> We're going to find out why that's an impediment. <laughs> okay, Megna. The second impediment you face is your attachment to spiritual courses. Your involvement in bhakti devotion, jnanam knowledge, and karma action. The courses themselves turn out to be most entertaining. They provide you with much greater peace and joy than that provided by your mundane activities. Your mind develops a fascination for the courses themselves and begins to revel in them. Gradually, you become involved in attached to the practices. It is far more difficult to pull yourself out of the spiritual involvement than from mundane involvement. Hence, you continue to merely indulge in their environment. You lose the very purpose of the spiritual path you have undertaken. With no thought of spiritual unfoldment and enlightenment, that becomes a greater obstacle in the spiritual path. Since the entertainment derived from spiritual practices is far superior to that of mundane activities, you become more bound to them. The attachment to the spiritual revelry is more binding than the attachment to worldly pleasure and joy. That explains why the attachment to spiritual courses turn out to be, greater, turn out to be a greater obstacle in the path. You become more deeply rooted in ignorance. You grow in denser darkness. Thank you. 
spiritual courses attachment to spirituality and spiritual courses when you go down the path to spiritual development after a while you'll feel so much ecstasy so much joy so much happiness there's a danger in the mind becoming attached to it you practice bhakti yoga devotion experience gives you higher emotional satisfaction than anything you have experienced in the world if you're devotional that feeling is completely different see sitting in the temple listening to bhajans mind takes you somewhere that feeling is so great higher than anything you've experienced you revel in it you indulge in it you want to keep replicating that feeling you get lost in that feeling when studying this knowledge intellectually it gives you so much pleasure than the best book you have read better than harry potter so you get attached to this knowledge once you start doing morning study experience the pleasure from it nothing you do in the day no experience you can have can compare to that feeling and i'm talking from experience here nothing can compare to the joy and peace you get so even this knowledge can become an obstacle to your development to the goal they bring you so much peace than any worldly experience peace and happiness you get attached to it you get involved in it so what he's saying is the pleasure gained from the spiritual courses is so much deeper more satisfying than any worldly pleasure it becomes addictive i know you don't believe me how can this be addictive you have no idea i can tell you think of any worldly experience that has given you the highest pleasure whatever that may be in your mind multiply that by 100 that's how spiritual courses the pleasure it can give you so you get attached to that feeling so the second obstacle to your spiritual goal are spiritual practices themselves you enjoy it so much you get stuck there you forget the reason why you are practicing them why are you practicing them to reduce your desires to get out of this world all the spiritual practices are worldly still they're in the world you go from one lecture to another go and listen to different swamis different gurus some people get attached to gurus swamis ashrams and they go around in circles he was talk so well did you hear that lecture did you hear this lecture listen to this podcast follow this person this guru that's it you're in going around in circles so they're saying people who are involved in the world who have no idea about spirituality no knowledge of the self are in darkness they're in spiritual ignorance we all agree yes yes they're worldly They're in spiritual ignorance but people on the spiritual path are in greater darkness greater ignorance it's harder to get out of it so you have to be careful any questions does everyone understand what is being said spiritual courses can be a stronger impediment your spiritual goal never thought you'd hear that to becoming too spiritual <laughs> can cause you problems so think about that so i know you, you sometimes i have to give you a reference 
what's this guy talking about? How can I get become more spiritual and be in greater darkness? Doesn't make sense to me. It's okay. So I'm going to read you. Forget the Gita. This is higher than the Gita. Okay. There's four Vedas, which is the highest knowledge known to man. Rig Veda, Samaveda, Rajurveda, Atarva Veda. Those are the four Vedas. The foundation of Hinduism. The Vedas teach us everything about being spiritual, how to reach that goal. And it's made up of made up of all sorts of stories, um, hymns, poems, all sorts to make up a Veda. At the end of the Veda is the philosophy. End of each Veda is the philosophy. And that is called the Upanishads. You've all heard the name, Upanishads. So end of the four Vedas contains the Upanishad, which is the philosophy. Now I forget how many Upanishads there are, about 200 and what Upanishads. They all talk about the same thing. They're all accounts of a self they all accounts from a self-realized soul. So one of the Upanishads, Isha Vasya Upanishad, Mantra 9. So this is above Gita now, yeah? We're talking about. And it reads, Andam Dhamma Pravishanti Ye Vidya Mupasate Tato Bhuya Ivate Tamoya Uvidyaya Gurataha Those who worship Avidya, ignorance, enter into blinding darkness. People who are worldly. But those who revel in Vidya, knowledge, enter, as it were, into greater darkness than that. This is what it's saying. Exactly what we've just talked about. I'll read you a bit of the commentary. So people who are in the world, they're already in ignorance. Rest of humanity who are misled, spiritual practitioners who claim to follow knowledge, all of us, they are attached to, involved in spiritual courses and have lost sight of their ultimate goal. Ultimately, consequently, the entire human race gropes in utter darkness. So those are the people who are lost in the world, who have no knowledge of the self, and the people who have knowledge of the self, they're in greater ignorance. The mantra exposes the perfect, perfectic state of mankind, the vast majority being lost in this world of materiality and sensuality, in the maze of acquisition and enjoyment. People live a desire-ridden, result-oriented life of attachment and possessiveness, a life of suffering and sorrow, confused and confounded in the blinding darkness of ignorance. The minority try to pursue the spiritual paths, karma, bhakti, and jnana yoga. These paths are meant to take the practitioners to spiritual enlightenment, but rarely indeed does one use them for attaining the ultimate goal. Spiritual pursuit is indeed enchanting. It's enjoyable, pleasurable. People get involved, addicted to the joy derived thereof. They revel in the enjoyment of the very practice. Such practices cease to be spiritual since it is not directed to the ultimate goal of enlightenment. So just a brief commentary from there. It goes on, but I'm not going to read it. So there, on the Upanishad, it says, be careful. There's no higher direction than that. Any questions? Does everyone understand what we're saying? Anita? You understand? Are you saying so you could become so obsessed with the, the ultimate goal that you forget what that is and you revel no. in that? Is that what no. you're saying? 
know, you get obsessed with the practices because it gives you so much happiness and pleasure that you forget the goal. Why am I doing this? Why am I coming to these classes? Why am I studying? It's to reach the goal, end goal. But you get involved in all that because it gives you so much pleasure, just like you're involved in the world. Central pleasures, emotional pleasures in the world keeps you stuck there. Similarly, spiritual pleasures, you get even more stuck. Because the happiness and peace derived is even far greater than the worldly pleasures. It's even more difficult to get out of it. This is what he's saying. Yeah, Migna. Is that because they are sort of gaining all that knowledge but not turning it into wisdom? So they've got all that knowledge that they that is making them happy to know, but they're not converting it. Because obviously if they were converting it, then they'd understand. That's right. They're reveling in that feeling, that mental pleasure it gives, the mind. And they want to continue with that. They can't see any anything beyond that. Satsangs, virgins, intellectual study, you re start reveling in that. And you forget why you're actually doing it. Why are you practicing? Seva, seva, you get involved in seva. You start your own trust. You start your own uh, all sorts of, uh, you know, let's feed the poor, etc. And you get so involved in that, you forget why you're doing it. Let's get... Swami from India to give lectures, you organize all that. You, know, you get involved in all those sort of things because it gives you so much happiness. You forgot why you're doing it. So it's greater darkness, it's saying. Yeah, just Navin. Can you also um, think of the fact that you're doing it so often? Can you, uh, sorry, Joshnabin, can you get closer to the mic, please? So what I'm saying is, you know, um, we've said that when you catch a feeling and it's a nice feeling, the more you come across it, the more used to you get to it, and then you want some more. So it would not be the same thing if you're getting this pleasure and peace and happiness. You come to a point where you need more than that. So wouldn't that ultimately make you seek more rather than stay in the darkness? Not necessarily, because you might be happy with that so involved and happy in that feeling that the mind just wants more and more it gets attached to that feeling you what you're saying you're right ideally that's what everyone should be doing but the mind becomes too so strong that you can't take it out of it and there's a reason for it we're going to cover that in the next paragraph yeah to come out of that is difficult so be careful, this is what they're saying. Any other clarifications? Okay, it'll become more clear as we finish this. Ruby, is it Ruby? Yeah. You must overcome these main obstacles in your spiritual path. Get over your attachment by gaining objectivity in life. You gain objectivity by strengthening your intellect through daily study of Vedantic knowledge. Reflect upon the truths therein. Use that knowledge to maintain objectivity in your material as well as your spiritual life. You would then rise above all attachment and involvement. Remember, you take to the spiritual course of your involvement, not your involvement. Never lose sight of the goal of enlightenment through your life. So what controls the mind is the intellect. So we have to study in the morning, reflect on this Vedantic knowledge, these truths of life, develop our clarity of thinking, the intellect. With a developed intellect, you become more objective. What is objectivity? What is objectivity? What is the purpose of objectivity? 
intellect's control over the mind. It's the mind that gets involved. It's the mind that gets attached to everything. Takes you off the path, revels in that feeling. But with a developed intellect, you gain objectivity. The, the intellect makes sure, makes sure the mind does not get involved and attached to these things. Keeps the goal clear. Doesn't get involved in his mundane, worldly and spiritual practices. The intellect keeps you on the path to achieve your goal. See, who sets the goal? Who set the goal? I want to do this. You set it. You set it. You yourself have set the goal. Who's stopping you from getting there? You. So you have to strengthen yourself to get to the goal. See, you read in the morning, human being is meant to reach this state. Human being should not get attached to the world. You read all that, you think, yes, I understand. I want to get to that state. A couple of hours later, you're involved again in the world. You forget about reaching that state. Who You set the goal, but you yourself haven't got the capacity to reach that goal. So that's why you strengthen the intellect by reading more of this scriptures, which tells you the truths of life, you gain more objectivity. You, you get less involved. The path is clear. The goal is clear. It's saying spiritual courses are for your involvement, not your involvement. So we get involved. Any questions? Just number. Make sense? Is everyone clear? Two impediments to be aware of. Everyone number. Make sense? So can I ask? Mm -hmm. How would you keep strengthening your intellect? You tell yourself, be objective about it. Yeah. Recognize not to get attached to these yeah. uh, principles laid out or all the things that you're studying. How do you strengthen it all the time? How do you remember that all the time? You don't remember it. You can convert the knowledge to wisdom by reflecting on it. This world is unreal. If you understand the world is unreal, my goal is to reach and become one with the self through practice of these three disciplines, reduce my desires, meditate, have that experience of that oneness. It's quite straightforward, isn't it? But because it's not converted to wisdom and you don't have conviction for that, you get lost in the world, you get lost in the spiritual practices. Every morning you remember that. Oh yes, I need to do this. But it's not concrete within you yet. By nine o'clock, you're back at your work. I'm not saying it's bad, wrong. You're going to work, you're getting involved in the world, you're doing all that. You lose that objectivity, you lose that goal. So it's me, it, what it means is shifting your focus to this goal rather than worldly goals while you're still functioning in the world. Is that okay, Arunabin? Yeah, no, that I'm shift, thinking. That shift happens. With the amount of, that that shift is relative to the self-effort you put in. And that applies to the spiritual practices as well. Yes. Just like anything. You want to reach, you want to pass your exams for doctor. You have to put in effort to study and reach that goal, isn't it? You can't be dilly-dallying with other things. You've got exams coming up. You have to focus, put effort in to reach that state, stage, so you can pass the exams. Same thing, no different. Simple. You had a question. I was just going to say, would would you say be more like a spectator in the in the worldly things rather than because you don't want to get involved, so you're more like a spectator than 
and stand back and watch the world go by without being involved in it. Absolutely, 100% correct. This is how you need to behave in the world. As a third, I am not this body, mind, intellect. Whatever that does, doesn't matter. I'm not this, I'm the self. And that's how you behave in the world. As a third person, actor on stage, we give that example, exactly that's what it means. You behave like an actor on stage while you're getting on with the duties. So that takes objectivity. And the same with the spiritual uh, club. Yeah. If everything you're doing spiritually, you remain yeah. objective about it by being as, almost like a spectator, would you say? Absolutely. I'm, you, I'm doing these spiritual courses. I'm learning these three disciplines to get me to the goal. That's it. I always need reminders, so that's why I like that's to all right. keep no, it's saying It's good that. to question. It's good. Mm-hmm. This is how you need to approach everything in life even in the spiritual practices. And the last paragraph will explain to you exactly why. The spiritual courses are undertaken to unfold the divinity within you. They pertain to the terrestrial realm. They can reach you only to the point of terrestrial perfection but cannot take you directly to the transcendental reality. The reality lies beyond the terrestrial reign. Hence, you will have to ultimately go beyond all terrestrial effort and cross over to the transcendental. A phenomenon strikingly similar to an athlete, athletic event known as the pole vault. In this event, The pole vaulter uses a pole to gain the height required to cross over a bar set for the purpose. The athlete runs with the pole, pegs one end of it on the ground, heaves himself up with the other end to the height of the bar, discards the pole and rolls over to the other side. No pole vaulter can jump that height without a pole. Equally so, No pole vaulter can jump that height with the pole. If he clings onto the pole after reaching the height, he will dislodge the bar. Only by discarding the pole at that height can he cross over to the other side. The spiritual courses can only take you so far because it's still in the world. We're trying to get out of the world. You follow everything that has been prescribed to the best of your ability. You will unfold the self within you, but you are still in this world. The most it can do is make you a perfect terrestrial human being. It can't take you beyond that. So you practice all the spiritual courses, you do everything. It makes you the best human being in the world. Because all these spiritual courses are in the world. We're trying to get out of this world. Enlightenment is not of this world, it is transcendental, beyond this terrestrial world. So he gave an example, pole vaulter. Everyone understands what a pole vaulter is. This person runs with a long pole, maybe 10 feet tall. And there's two bar, there's a bar at the top, which is about eight or nine feet tall, and they have to get over the bar. So it'll give me a pen. So this is the pole. <laughs> so you run with that. Then you lodge the pole in a little, there's a little uh, contraption like a hole. You put the rod into the hole and then you leap over the bar. You've seen it all in athletics. And the person who jumps the highest wins. So they're saying that spirituality is very similar to that. The pole vaulter uses the pole to get over the bar. He cannot go over the bar without the pole. Does everyone agree? He needs the pole to get over the bar. But he also can't go over the bar with the pole. He has to leave the pole behind. He wedges it, jumps over, drops the bar, 
drops the pole and jumps, gets over the bar. He can't take the pole with him. He has to leave the pole. But he can't get over that height without the pole. So the pole is essential. Similarly, when it comes to spirituality, you need spiritual courses to get you to the doorstep of enlightenment. Without this practice of spiritual courses, you cannot get to that stage. But to get to the other side, to gain enlightenment, to get over that bar, you have to leave the practice of the spiritual courses, like the pole, and then plunge into meditation. Only then you can achieve that state. So you need the spiritual courses to take you to a certain step. So the conclusion is these spiritual practices, the means to an end, not an end in itself. You can't afford to get attached to religions, spiritual practices. They are just the tool to reach the ultimate goal, just like the pole is for the pole vaulter to get over the bar. This is how spiritual practices should be regarded. Ravi, thank you for the talk. In the same manner, you cannot gain enlightenment without the aid of spiritual courses. Ironically, if you are attached to the courses, cling on to them, you cannot gain it either. The spiritual courses can lift you to the zenith of terrestrial perfection. Thereafter, you must leave them and plunge into the silence of meditation. Then alone would you be able to cross over to the transcendental, attain spiritual enlightenment. This is how spiritual practices work. Religions, the place of religion. Means to an end, not an end in itself. Any questions? That's the end of this chapter. Yeah, Ravi. Um, understanding that last chapter, obviously it says um, free paths, you know, devotional, Ganya yoga and karma yoga. It's like if, I, if, I was, if you're very devotional, you just stick at listening to bhajans and devotional music and you don't progress or likewise, you just study. So it's, as you said, it's looking at your own personality and gaining which path you're going to take or a mixture or, but it's frightening thing, you're not getting caught up on just sitting there listening to bhajans. It does get you to a high, but that's about it. And you just repeat that over and over again without moving. Absolutely. This is the problem. We get involved in that. So it's a scientific process, religion. But people don't understand it. And they revel in that feeling. Because the pleasure it gives is more greater than worldly pleasures. That's why. As we've just covered today. This is the problem. Mind gets attached to it. See, but now you've all understood, so you wouldn't be making that mistake. No, really. no, no, you have a question. Yeah, I was just going to say, just to be clear, mm -hmm. you may enjoy doing all of these practices, listening to bhajans, all of that, but then to go that one stage further, you still got to go back and do lots of reflecting, reading, um, understanding and questioning and that hopefully will lead you to then many lifetimes or whatever meditation and self-realization yes yeah you use these spiritual practices as tools like the pole the pole bolt uses the pole as a tool so that you use these spiritual practices as tools don't be attached to it don't be involved in it I have to do this practice because my father was doing it. My father's father was doing it. That doesn't make it right. I will continue with it and my son will continue it. That's not right approach, it's saying. Don't be attached to it. Be objective. Thank you. They're all, they're all there for a purpose. Shilabin. 
Okay, my question is like uh, you mentioned uh, earlier that you know we go to temple churches where uh, whatever discipline of religion you're following. So these things were established more for congregation and to get your to get to know your community around and as to what's happening more than the actual practices that we follow when we are in these places. Is it that? Like, you know, you go, we go to temple and you do whatever we need to do. We perform our rituals and all that. And then after that will take an hour or whatever. And obviously you do communicate and, you know, you, you talk to each other and all that. So I, what is this, you, when we're talking of the negative religion and establishment of all this, I think it was more to do for the welfare of people and people's mind. Like a social event, get together. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's not spiritual. This is what we're saying. Yeah. Okay. Any other clarifications? There's an aspect where it's supposed to help. I don't want to cover that. Thank you. I want to keep it focused. I know what Silabin's asking, and it's in. Based on this chapter, it is not being spiritual. That's all we need to know about that. There's no point going into it in detail. You see, even rituals, they're only spiritual if you understand what the rituals are meant for. Doing them blindly is not spiritual. Any further questions? Does everyone understand today's class? If not, we have a bit more time. It should give you a lot of clarity. Today's class should give you a lot of clarity in a nutshell of what spirituality is. So it should be quite clear in your heads and give you some focus of which way you want to go. So read it, that chapter again. It's a very um, thought-provoking chapter, this about religion, because we're all into religion, that's why. And we, we give it this value to religion. You know, we kill for our religion. That's how much value we give to religion, that we can kill for our religion. So this is the problem. Ravi, did you have a question? Yeah, I was just gonna say, I think I've mentioned this before, is when, when I first got into um, the event, yeah, classes and so forth it's understanding the word like religion in the context what it was originally originated for not what we were conditioned to believe it was and same as when we keep referring to god we you know sometimes if you when you're coming into it new you're perceiving it's god as in what you've been conditioned but god is as you said it's internal is going back to the supreme self and that's what we refer so i mean that paragraph i mean that last chapter really sort of nailed it down back to what religion in its true sense should mean so it's yet again getting rid of all the conditioning that you've had for over many years i would say absolutely these classes are to decondition you of all the conditioning that you've had over the years that's what these classes do they decondition you so you understand what's right and what's wrong We've all been conditioned with the word religion, with the word God, the word spirituality, the word temple, all those words, we've been conditioned for it to mean something to us, yeah, wrongly. But they all serve the purpose to a certain point, yeah? So it's not bad, but they all had a purpose in your life at that moment in time, yeah? They're all stepping stones. But now you have an understanding and more clarity so this is, these classes decondition all those ideas you've had, these thoughts, these conditionings, to what is the meaning of these words. Is that okay? Ramesh? Jashnabin? Great. Can you just confirm something? Yeah. Yep, so it wants to say something. Yeah. 
No, so when you, at the beginning of the class, we talked about attachment and desires. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so the practices that I might be following, it's saying it's keeping me in the ter terrestrial world mm -hmm. because I form an attachment and a desire to keep up with that lovely feeling I get when I pray. Mm -hmm. Is that why? Yes. Yeah. Don't be attached to that feeling. Constantly keep moving forward to the goal. Don't be stuck there, because it's easy to get stuck there. Great. Well, we shall see you next week. No group discussion this Tuesday. Thank you. Have a great Sunday.